For someone new to the hobby, the out-of-the-box, ready-to-run vehicle is a great introduction to the world of remote-controlled tiny trucks. But after a time, you should be getting a sense of what kind of driving style you like and what you would like to do with your truck. For me, I found it was crawling. I love driving technical climbs, working out the lines, navigating obstacles, and learning what my truck can do. But how do I progress from this point? For me, the goal is to enter a crawling event and to try my hand at competitive rock crawling or cone dodging. So where do I start? What can I do to improve my vehicle? What should my priorities be? So many questions. So here to help me navigate some of those questions is Matt Beast from Deluxe Fab. Hi Matt, thank you for joining me today. As I mentioned earlier, you work for Deluxe Fab, so for the sake of transparency, could you tell me a little bit more about Deluxe Fab and its role in the market today? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Nigel. Eric Dye started Deluxe Fab years ago. He started making crawler parts because he was in the hobby and he saw a niche that needed to be filled. So then he started making all kinds of cool stuff, you know, from stuff for himself and then it expanded more into stuff for customers. We stand on the shoulders to come before us. None of us come alone, you know, whether it's our parents or the innovators in the business we're in before we do it. We have to remember them and that they're important. And without them, we're all starting fresh. Nobody wants to do that. Right. So Deluxe Fab is a small family owned and operated company. Uh, we, we all have a love for the hobby. We want to see it grow. We like it. Obviously, it's a lot of fun. We want to see more people get into it. So family owned and operated. There's four of us who run the company. Jason Brakemeyer, he's the owner. There's a couple of the partners with him on the financial side. And then his daughter, Mallory, and his son, they help him up there in Minnesota. I work remotely. I do the customer service and I'm the, like the outward facing person on the company. So if you got a problem with a part, you order something from us and you want to reach out and talk to somebody about, you know, parts, crawling, any of that stuff, I'm the guy you reach out to. Right. So Matt, you know, for say, like take someone like me, I'm fairly new to RC. I've got a, a fairly basic stock rig. So how would you recommend that I start converting that rig over into something that could be more competitive? I mean, how would you start that process? Could you lay it out in steps or stages? Is that something that you could do? Well, start by driving it as it is. Right. You know, you get a truck, take it out and drive it. Have fun with it. You don't immediately have to buy something and tear it apart. I know most of us do because we like to tinker. You know, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. But, you know, take it out and drive it. Enjoy it for what it is. You know, you go to the hobby store, you pay, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars or more for a rig. Take it out and drive it. Then as you see things that like that it needs, if you see things that's short on it, you know, it, it can't reach this obstacle. It doesn't have enough, you know, weight to climb this obstacle. You know, it needs more wheel speed. It needs more traction. All oh, this body's too big and heavy. It falls over whenever it's off camber. Any of that stuff, you know, you address it, you know, one step at a time. But typically I'll start with weight because all things being equal, a lightweight rig will outperform a heavy rig all day long. Now you can use weight as a band-aid to cover all kinds of tuning problems. You know, if you don't ha don't have enough traction in the in the truck, well, you can make it heavier. It'll get more grip because there's more mass holding it on the rock. You know, you keep lifting the front tire because torque twist because all these trucks are shaft-driven trucks. Well, all the scale trucks are shaft-driven trucks in the scale side of the hobby. So just by simple physics, you're going to end up pulling one of the wheels up in the front if you're going up real steep and there's a lot of grip. So you can add weight to the front of the truck to stop that. But, you know, you can add some, but too much is a bad thing. You know, there's no, in engineering or mechanical, really in life, there's no be-all, fix-all. Everything's a compromise. Right. You can't add one thing without losing another. So, you know, as far as weight, you know, simple thing, 
is if there's a bunch of unnecessary stuff on your truck, take it off. All right. You know, if you want your truck to perform, you know, it's cool to say you have a TRX4 with that, you know, big defender body. Man, it looks cool. But you take that body off and weigh it. Let's say it weighs a pound. And let's say you go buy a simpler, smaller body at the hobby shop, like, say, a J Concepts, a creep body, you know, if that's your flavor. You put that on there, and the thing weighs like six or seven ounces. So you just pulled 10 ounces off the top of your truck. That's massive. The verse side of that is people go and buy all this brass. You know, Amazon has brass. Hobbytown has brass. They have brass everything. I think even Harley did a video a while back where he did a uh, TRX4, and he made it as heavy as he possibly could. Right. Shout out to Harley Designs. (laughs) So, and to look at it, looks like a fairly stock truck and you know i met josh years ago good dude but that truck is it's hilarious to look at it you're like oh okay it's here and you pick it up you're like oh lord what happened to this <laughs> just because it's available doesn't mean you have to have it right right so but if you want your truck to perform you need to remove all your necessary stuff on top of the truck you don't need right some people are going for scale points do that as light as you can then you if you need to add weight add it down low you know but don't go nuts you don't need a 10 pound truck okay you can have a 10 pound truck if that's if that's what you like but then you run into a whole bunch of other problems just trying to keep it together so add your weight down low you know get knuckle weights we sell our loaded dice knuckles that are great for that you can buy brass knuckles you know for scx10s trx4s all these rigs out there today you can buy these you know brass knuckles from all the different companies right you know i'm partial to ours obviously Right. Because there's more than one advantage to ours. Another thing with weight, you know, a lot of guys will put a couple wraps of lead inside the front tires, like lead tire weights you put on your wheels of your car, which that works. But when you add rotating mass, you add stress to your entire drivetrain. Instead of trying to turn a tire and wheel that say weighs, let's throw a number four ounces, you got one that weighs eight. So now if you multiply that, you got another eight ounces of rotating mass on the truck. Your motor's not going to feel as snappy because you're losing horsepower to turn those things. Right. You're going to add more stress to your drive shafts, your transmission gears, your ring and pinion, your axle shafts. All those are going to become more fragile. Your truck won't be as bulletproof. Because the OEMs, i.e. axial, element, Traxxas, they're all making these trucks pretty good now. Yeah. Back in the day, it was all dog bones and cups. Trucks wouldn't turn. You look at them wrong. The drive shafts would break. It was terrible. But now, trucks are pretty good right out of the box. But if you add too much weight that's rotating, it'll cause you issues. Right. And and for the love of God, guys, don't add a bunch of brass to your chassis. Yeah. It's too high, right? It's too high. Yeah. And there's no need for it. You want to add unsprung weight. So unsprung weight means weight that is, if you look at the truck, it's weight that's below the springs. Okay. So sprung weight would be above the springs, sprung being it rides on the springs. So unsprung weight, driving at low speed, because we're crawlers, right? We're doing technical things. We're trying to pull the best line. We're trying to go somewhere our buddy's truck won't go, you know, or we're trying to dodge gates. They're going to set gates. They're going to be tough. That's part of the fun. You don't need weight on top. As soon as the truck's off camber a little bit, it's going to go tumbling down the hill. And, you know, just because they make it in brass doesn't mean you need it. Right, right. That's a good way of thinking about it, above and below the spring. That, that makes a nice delineation, you know, of how to think about where you want to put weight effectively. Yeah, yeah that's a good way. And the next step probably would be durability. Guys, we're rock rolling. You're going to break parts. When it breaks, put something stronger on it. You know, we all love the tinker. That's a big portion of the hobby. Yeah. So when you break a rod in, you can replace it with the same kind of tiny rod in that, you know, they give you, or you can go buy, you know, a Traxxas Revo rod in and you have to really try to break those. Right. You know, drive shafts, you break the stock drive shafts. The axial wild boards are pretty tough. 
the one strikes the sense are pretty good, but eventually you're going to break them. There's a lot of companies out there that make stronger ones that are made out of steel. At that point, you know, put a stronger one on it. Right. You know, it's really hard to go wrong to take off plastic parts, put on steel, especially right. in your drivetrain. And your drive train would also add to your low weight as well. Not it will. It will add, add to weight that's low in the rig. Yeah. But once again, you don't want, I mean, it's a balance. You don't want brass it, ones. <laughs> no, you don't want brass ones. <laughs> And if you can get if you can get away with using plastic ones and keep the weight down on your truck, use plastic ones. Yeah. But if you're tearing them up all the time, well, that's just silly. Buy stronger ones. You know, MIP makes ones that are just overbuilt. They made them for years. They're super strong. They're super heavy, but they're also super bulky. Um, Vanquish makes a nice set that's pretty slim and low profile in their steel. They're real strong. As the Super Shafty, they make good drive shafts that are stout. And the thing with Super Shafty is he sells every every length you could ever need in a custom build. If you need a long a long male and a short female or whatever combination, AJ Conan will get you there. Gotcha. Yeah. He's the owner of Super Shafty. Okay. So and that durability, I mean, obviously with a lot of the stock trucks. As you say, most of them are driving very well out the box, but there is, I think there must be a cost saving element for when they produce those cars. You know, I know on some of the axials, it's like the steering links are plastic, the drive shafts are plastic, the knuckles are plastic. You know, I mean, I suppose at some point it, it's just a matter of time before those things actually give out. So Absolutely. So, you know, they're making thousands of these trucks, right? Right. And they need to make a profit. You know, that's the way this works. If they're not making a profit, the company won't exist. Right. So, and they need to build thousands. They need to be able to make thousands of these parts at a good cost for them. So, you know, injection molding plastic, plastics are pretty good nowadays, you know. So, that's yeah. a real, su- it's a super cost effective way to do it. You know, also, if the, you know, your tie rod's plastic, your drag link's plastic, the good thing with that is, is out of the box, you're going to go drive the truck around your yard or around the creek bed. The first thing you're going to do is pull that trigger all the way back and hammer on it, beat on it. And as a new driver, as a new owner and a new truck, if all that's plastic, you could tumble that thing down the creek bank. Everything has give to it. Right. It doesn't break. So you don't go out there and break it in 10 minutes. You break a knuckle or what you can. Yeah. Most folks aren't going to go out there and break it in 10 minutes and then go run them back to the hobby. The manufacturers don't want that. You know, the people who sell them don't want that. But as you learn more and grow in the hobby, you learn, you know, what to use, what not to use. We all, most of us will end up going, we'll take off the plastic links and go to, you know, stainless steel or titanium. Because titanium links are pretty affordable. They're yeah. only a smidgen more than stainless and they're way lighter. But it's just the way it goes. You're going to upgrade it. Yeah. So, yeah. Like a lot of these things, you know, if you swap out the motor, you put a more powerful motor. A lot of times you're moving that tension point further down the line. So, you know, if you put a metal part in, it means the next plastic part that connects could be the next thing to go. Oh, absolutely. So I suppose you're just going to have to sort of follow that road down. Eventually, you're probably going to end up replacing the whole thing at some point. At some point, you will. Um, a lot of these trucks have slippers in them, which some of them are hard to get set just right the way you want them. The axial ones aren't terrible. You can get them kind of set in there. But the flip side of that is if you have a cheap, like a fusible link in the drivetrain that you can fix quickly on the trail, that's not bad. Or you just make it as strong as you possibly can and you don't want it to break. Right. I see your point. Yes, because obviously you've got like a sort of sacrificial point, basically, you're saying. So you could, you know, perhaps if you broke a plastic part that you could swap out easily, you're saving the other components. In, in one respect yes sir yeah it's a way so, of looking at it yeah absolutely so let's say you have a you know cheaper plastic drive shaft you break one of those on the trail say you break a rear drive shaft trying to climb a rock because you jam the truck up you can take a knee grab your backpack put a new drive shaft on that truck in about 30 seconds and you're back up and running and you didn't strip a gear you didn't you know break a transmission output shaft right you know if you haven't upgraded it there um there's a, there's a plastic gear on the axle three gear tranny um i think it's an idler that one yes. will go yeah. and then 
then you have to tear the whole truck apart. It's not something you just roll the truck over and, you know, take two set screws out, boom, put a new one in and back on the way. Right. At that point, you're taking the, you know, the body off, the transmission out of the truck, break the transmission down. You're an hour into fixing that when it couldn't be five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I broke the idler and the stock idler of mine. And that wasn't, like you say, that's not a quick fix, especially like first time round. <laughs> You know, you, you got to take the whole thing apart, you know, so. Especially if you haven't had it apart before. Right, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it's the durability and what you swap out is really, it's not a slam dunk of just swapping everything out. It's just, you know, as you say, use the truck, see how it works, fix what breaks and, and just work out what you feel is important and what's not, you know, where your, where your stress points are. Yes, sir. Because you're going to break it. Yeah. It's just no, a matter I mean, of time. No, and as you say, I mean, some respects, I mean, I think the plastic is very forgiving, you know, in some respects, because you do have that give factor to it. So, I mean, it's, so presumably, you know, when you start off with those stock trucks, they're quite a bit lighter than if you start to do, you know, if you start to replace with metal, you're increasing the weight. So, I mean, that truck could actually change characteristics, presumably. Oh, dramatically. You know, if you break, a, you, let's say you break an axle housing, which I've seen to be um, these portal axle trucks, no, not so much the TRXs, but I've seen several guys break the uh, the Capra housings or the SA1030 just because the leverage on the housings, because the portals. Yeah. I broke that housing, so let's put a metal one on it. That's great. It's more durable. But now you just added a good bit of weight to the truck. So something you may have been able to climb before, you might not be able to. Or you may be able to climb something you couldn't before because you added the weight. You know, once again, there's no, it's always a compromise. Yeah. So it's, it's not, and I see your point. It's it's not as easy. It takes a little more experience than you think. It's not a matter of just going and buying a load of aftermarket parts. It's more about reading what your truck does, how it's performing and where, the, where it's failing or where it's succeeding. Absolutely. More than, yeah. Yeah. So a guy that drives his stock truck a lot is probably going to outdrive the guy who spends thousands of dollars on his rig and doesn't drive it. Right. So right. just drive the truck. Yeah. Enjoy it for what it is. That's the whole purpose, right? You bought it to drive it. Right. Play with it. Go out with your friends, enjoy yourself. And as things break, you're like, Oh, this is a weak point. How can I make this stronger? You know? And that's also, like I said, we're right back to the tinkering thing. All of us yeah. love to tinker, you know, whether it's, you know, RC, if it's bikes, if it's trucks, if it's guns, you name it. How often do you leave stuff alone? Yeah. You're going to tinker. That's half no, the I fun. But I think what you're saying is, and I think that's is an important factor, is it's more about looking at what's going on with your truck as to, as with a view to, like, if you see a failing, you're addressing that with a different part. It's a lot different than just saying, I have my truck. You know, what is everyone swapping out with? You know, what what's the current thing to swap for? You know, that's not really taking you anywhere. Whereas breaking it down and analyzing what you're doing is, is giving you purpose, allows you to tinker. And also, you know, you're learning about performance and, and what you're improving or, or, or changing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. And with crawling, power doesn't seem to be such an important issue. Would that be right, do you think? Well, it's really about how you lay down the power. Okay. Some of the most capable comp style rigs you'll see, like We Rock, stuff like that. Those super capable, nimble buggies are running little four-cylinder engines because they have so much gearing, our crawlers do as well, that you don't need, you know, 500 horsepower to pull off awesome lines. No, it's fun to have 500 horsepower. Absolutely. And with the new electronics nowadays, you can have super fine, low speed control in your motor and a bunch of horsepower. So, or wheel speed, however you want to look at it. Mm. You can have all these things. But I mean, you don't have to go out and spend, you know, $120 on a Brood or a Holmes motor. You can use one of the cheaper ones because 
both Brood and Holmes offer, offer machine-wound lower cost motors that work pretty good. Now, the rebuildable, nicer motors are way nicer. You get what you pay for. Okay. And you're going to have to take care of anything. So take care of it. Yeah. So it's not, it's so, again, it's, it's not a matter of just going big and bold. It's, a, it's more of a careful choice. Yes, sir. The, one of the biggest things you're going to find in the crawler world is low speed control. So if you're trying to, you know, if you're driving around gates, you're trying to drive something real technical, you need to be able to go slow, not have your truck, you know, over speed, jump over things, you know, go in the gates, take a bounce, fall down all tumble 32 times down into the ravine where you got to walk all the way down through the brambles and briars find your truck see if it's broken yeah so yeah i mean there's good motors out there holmes makes good motors brood makes good motors teakin i think they still make motors yeah they're still around the three i think of right off the bat yeah a good a good uh speed controls is critical i'm pretty fond of the holmes holmes escs castle makes good ones too if i remember correctly castle actually makes the holmes escs for holmes so you know that's a reputable name holmes yeah. and castle both so it's really a matter of what you want it's out there, you know, brushless, um, hobby wing makes a bunch of brushless stuff. Seems to be pretty nice. Yeah. I haven't, I have some, honestly, it's still sitting on my shelf. I haven't used it yet. Seems nice. Other guys use it. They seem to like it. I'm more of a brush motor guy myself. You know, a brushed, a brush 35 turn is always like a real good place to start. Okay. They're cheap. You can go buy a hobby wing 1060 or 1080. They're like $30 fit, you know, 30 to 40, $50 for those ESCs. And you know, your power system was pretty well lined out for a low cost. Back in the day we had to, you know, the Speed controls, all of them that were worth a dang were at least $100, $150. Wow. And now you can go buy one off the hobby shelf for $40. They'll do everything we need to do. You know, they right. got a decent drag, drag brake. They're, a lot of them are waterproof right out of the box, which is super nice because guys are going to submarine their trucks. Not just a mistake or fall into a creek or carefully crawling up a creek bed. These guys are going to drive it like a submarine. Oh, it's waterproof. <laughs> Send it to the bottom, you know. Yeah. And they find out later how much work that is and then they then they quit doing that. Yeah. Trash all your bearings and yeah. yeah. Then you have to rebuild it all the time. Right. Going back to, to one of the, the features that you said to you know, to look for low low end speed and control in your crawler. Yes, sir. Does the does the motor automatically give you that? Does the ESC motor combination automatically give you that? Or are there, are there other factors to think of? Well, there's there's more factors than that. Okay. Uh, so let's go back to brush motors right quick. With brush motors, you can buy a three-slot motor or a five-slot motor, typically, right? We're, this is kind of an overview. It's not, we're not getting real in-depth here. Okay. A three-slot motor typically is going to make more torque when the motor's running. So it's going to make more torque, but the, the low-speed control is not going to be as fine as a five-slot motor. Okay. The five-slot motor is going to have better low-speed control, but it's going to give up a little bit in just pure grunt. Okay. What I've found with the motors is the five slots they offer enough torque to get you out of trouble or pop a truck through a bind but this is a generalization most of them aren't going to have enough power to just break your stuff on command they're going to be kind of a nice in-between spot there you can feel it now you can still break stuff but you have to try okay whereas a you know a high dollar three slot or some of these puller motors almost make these 400 puller motors those things are nasty they're super smooth they're super strong but you know realize that as strong as those things are your drivetrain better be up to snuff. Okay. Now, if you're getting into brushless, now a lot of guys go brushless because, you know, they don't want to put brushes in a motor now and then or, 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 you know, send the motor out to, you know, Holmes or Brew and have it, have it redone. Right. Where they'll, where they'll turn the comp, put a new set of brushes in it, set it all up. So a brushless motor is a, you know, more of a maintenance, not, not maintenance free. There's less maintenance with a brushless motor. If you're going to drive it in water and nasty dirt all the time, you need to clean the bearings, you know, every now and then pop it apart, you know, spray the bearings out, 
electronics, electronics cleaner or brake clean. Let them get good and dry. Hold the bearings up and put it all back together. You know, just take care of your stuff. And low speed control, you're going to want, typically, I'd say go, go censored brushless. But a lot of the companies now, you know, once again, Holmes, Brood, Three Brothers, they're getting these these little outrunner motors and the 540 and 550 brushless motors that have super good low speed control even without a, a sensor so as that technology improves you may not you know you may not have to have a sensor motor okay yeah but obviously that like you say if you, if you do put a powerful motor in then you have to be judicious with the amount of power down with a hard pull of the trigger that's going to go <laughs> it's going to have it's going to find another weak spot on your vehicle oh absolutely uh, yes sir so, so it sounds like really like you say so with with a brush motor you can actually get away comparatively cheaply with a, with a pretty nice system with just a, a mid-range esc and a 16 turn uh, there's a third if you're going three slot start with a 35 turn it's a good place right. to start um five on slot. a five slot you can go with 16 or a, or a 13 yeah i run a 13 i run 13 turn crawl masters in a bunch of my rigs i have a couple of 13 turn so those are five slot right so they're comparable to about a 30 turn three slot motor as far as um you know kv wheel speed yeah just so people know kv is rpms per volt that's what that stands for so if you're running you know three cell 11.1 and the motor's a thousand kv the motor should turn eleven thousand rpms now okay. that's pretty basic but that's how that breaks down so yeah so i like the 13 turns like i said i just they're snappy they're smooth and they have a nice they have enough wheel speed to you know jump a gap or get you out of trouble or spin mud around do a little donut yeah but they still carry that super fine low low end control is the word okay. I'm looking for. And I mean, sometimes you do need to have that little bit of pep. Some, if you're bouncing on a climb, you just want to just give it just a little bit of gas just to pop you up over it. That little bit of extra power can help. Absolutely. So you, whether you need to bump up on a climb because it's, you know, the, the the ledge you need to reach is just out of the reach of the front tires. Or if you're coming, you're coming down off of something and you need to blip the throttle just to save your truck from rolling over. Right. Right. Or, you know, yes. catch it. Yeah. You know, you need that. So it's all about balance. Because if you go too fast, you're going to sacrifice low speed. And then it just gets gnarly, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, we used to run way too much motor in a race back in the day. Truck could do a standing backflip, but to go crawl on the rocks is absolutely terrible. Yeah. But now the the low speed control the Holmes really has been working on is just outstanding. Yeah. You can have that stupid amount of power nowadays and have low speed control with some of these brushless motors. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I was at a competition the other day and i i would say you know there was a, a big percentage of the issues people had was with too much speed because the truck starts to bounce and move you know it can bounce offline and you know going through gates you know if you go too fast you know it may take you through gate one but it puts you offline for gate two whereas i noticed some of the other contestants were very slow very smooth and you know they were picking their lines and as they come out of gate one, for argument's sake, they're almost setting up for two. And that speed isn't, you know, they're, they're maximizing that distance between the two gates to get their turns and their steering in. Whereas if you go in through fast, you know, you've covered that distance before you're even changing direction. You know, it seemed, speed almost seemed to be an enemy in the crawling aspect. Uh, you're absolutely right. It's just a matter of, of having it there when you need it, but being, you know, what's judicious. Yes. Yeah. Is the word you used to, you know, yeah. only use it when you need it. You know, the old saying is just because you have 500 horsepower, doesn't mean you need to use it all the time. Right. Right. Or was it walk softly and carry a big stick? <laughs> I always like that one. <laughs> yes, sir. Another thing to touch on guys. Um, BECs for your servo. Yes. 
get one. Oh, okay. The battery eliminator circuits in these mostly speed controls is not up to snuff to power these big, strong servos we want to run. You end up binding your front end up, you know, turning power to turn the tires and the rocks. It's critical. And the stronger the servo you get, the more power you're going to need to turn that servo. So there's a lot of direct power servos out there now. It's super nice because you don't need a BEC. You just directly right. power to the battery or, you know, buy a BEC. You know, don't try not to, oh, I don't want to use it because my, my, I have a five amp BEC on the speed control. No, buy the BEC. Just spend the money, buy it. You'll be happy. Because the trend for the bigger servos definitely seems to be the move right now, doesn't it? I have blown my stock servo. I went with a mid range aftermarket servo, which also has now gone. And now I've got a direct power, a more heavy duty servo. And so far, that's as proving to be the right choice, you know. So it's taken me <laughs> two servos to learn that lesson. <laughs> you know, I tried to skimp through, but I think it, that the power in those new servos is very nice. That's that old buy once, cry once mentality. Yeah. And with the advent of the internet, there's no excuse to be, uh, the word is ignorant of whatever knowledge, you know, we have basically nowadays we have the whole world at our fingertips if you want to know something everyone has a phone in their pocket you know i think elon musk said that on a rogan interview i heard a while back that we're basically all androids already the only thing slowing it down is the bandwidth is how fast we can make our thumbs ask the ask the internet ask the world what we want to know right so if you want to know something there's people out there that will happily tell you or they've already put the information out there but you know back to servos you know there's a lot of companies that make good ones, you know, it's, it's always better to have and not need than need and not have. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get you on that. I was surprised. I didn't think there'd be that much difference, but I have a Holmes hobby, uh, direct power servo now. But what I do know is, is how much stronger and how much faster it is. And it's I don't consider day. myself an experienced person, but it is it is a very noticeable difference uh remarkably so and it actually helps you know if you sort of shimmy the front if you you know trying to get aligned on a climb or you're trying to move your truck over a little bit you know by wiggling your steering it makes a difference far more an effective maneuver i, I was surprised i didn't think it would make that much difference but it, I, I really i'm a believer now I, I really think that's the right move to do you know absolutely i mean there's three things you can do to the truck you can go forward you can forward backwards and steer so the servo kind of in that little trifecta makes up a third of that. So it's important. And like I said, when you do that shimmy and you got a servo that makes six, 800 inch ounces of torque and you can just flick the wheel on the steering, on the controller, and it just goes slides down the hill, puts you right where you want it to be. Yeah. Or if you drive into, you're driving into a bot, you drive it in like into a little V notch or something and you can't turn the truck. It's super frustrating. When you put a big boy servo on there, you can make the truck do what you want it to do. It'll do what you tell it versus you're turning the wheel and nothing's happening. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's important. Man. You, and you're quite right. When you talked about the internet, we can get a lot of information, perhaps sometimes too much information. But I, I think that what you've said at a couple of points already is understanding what you're looking at, understanding why you're making the change, and then asking the right question, which will produce you know the right product 
for your choice. You know, what you do see is a lot of people that just, you know, seem to just have a shopping list before they've even, bought, you know, even driven the vehicle. You know, I've got the new vehicle and now, you know, now help me work out my shopping list. And it's like, that doesn't really seem to be the right, right way to approach it. There's, there's an awful lot of great products out there, but I mean, you don't need all of them. You know, if you're swapping out for the sake of swapping out, it doesn't really take you anywhere. Well, knowledge is power. I mean, that's the old saying and that's mm. su- it's super, it's, rings true today. I don't know how old it is. Lord only knows. Yeah. But like I said, there's so much information you can have at your fingertips. Now, it's the internet, so everything you read is true, right? Right. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, if you do a little asking, do a little digging, do a little reading, you can find good products out there. You know, if you burn up your speed control, you can do a little digging. You can go buy one of those hobby wings. Those are good. And let's say they're, you know, around 40 bucks. Or you can step up, you know, and spend 70 bucks. I think they're sixty nine ninety nine before shipping is for a Holmes hobby, a BR mini. Now that thing is not much bigger than a poster set. I mean, it's probably an inch and a half by an inch and it'll do six cell lipo. That's a brush speed control. It's decased. You can buy them waterproof. It's, you know, a quarter inch thick. It'll fit anywhere and it's tiny. It's yeah. got great low speed control. It's got a decent, you know, battery lim- BEC stands for battery eliminator circuit, by the way. Right. It has a decent one in it. And they're they're amazing for the money. Yeah. You really can't go wrong. And you know, talking about back to weight, weight's an issue, and you can buy those little tiny speed controls and they're you end up money ahead to buy the right stuff the first time. I guess yeah. that's really what I'm getting at. Right. But you could see if if weight saving especially when most of your electronics are above the chassis or a sprung weight, reducing that is, is one, another way of getting, again, now the weight control that you, you mentioned, you know, making everything lighter on the, on top of the vehicle, you know, using something like that would be a nice, nice way to go. Absolutely. Also real estate. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of room. That's you know, when you've got your, your, your servo, your receiver, your BEC, if you're running one or a direct power servo, you know, you grab your winch, if you want to do a winch, you know, you know, class two or class three, you don't want that winch. You need the wiring for that. Then you got to put your battery somewhere. And then in the scale side, you still want it to look good. Yeah. And then you have to figure out, you know, how to hide all this stuff and make it look good and put the weight where you want it. So less components or smaller components makes that much easier. Right. On a lot of my rigs, like my first love for the hobby is what people call pro pro comp rigs or sportsman rigs or WRCCA rigs versus Sorka rigs, which a lot of us, that's the big one right now is Sorka. Sorka's huge. It's massive. It's growing gangbusters. But I love the WRCCA stuff, which those trucks performance first. You got a set of rules, got tire size. But after that, it's on you. What it looks like, as long as it fits within the rule set, doesn't matter. And it's, you know, everything's performance first. So at that point, you know, the grams, how small you can make stuff. All of that's critical. You know, where you put each ounce on the truck may be the difference between you winning and losing or making a climb and not making a climb. Because the constraints, you don't have to look, you don't have to match a scale vehicle. It's it's basically, you, you're building like the ultimate crawler effect. Yes, absolutely. Yes, sir. That's the thing. Yeah. So if you take off all the constraints of, uh, here's an example. If you go buy a pickup truck, let's say a Jeep, Go buy a Jeep off the showroom floor. You put all these cool parts on it from all these companies. You know, that's going to be a pretty capable rig. Now, that truck is not going to hold a candle to a, a scratch built, two buggy rig. A guy's going to build in a you know, shop that's built for one purpose from the ground up. Yeah. The Jeep's not even going to hold a candle to it. It's not even going to be close. Right. There's, you know, all the different factors, you know, approach angle, departure angle, blah, blah, blah. It goes down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, and then what you've got the ability to do unlike a real like a one-to-one 
because you don't need to worry about the driver or <laughs> the weight and, and the fuel and stuff. But I mean, the rigs you're talking about are just pure crawling machines, really. It's, it's about putting the weight in exactly the right place, putting you know, the right amount of power and weight distribution. It seems, it seems way more critical. Yeah, I mean, you you must be analyzing everything with those rigs. Yeah, yeah, it's performance first. You know, yeah. was it form follows function? Right, right. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I really. So yeah, like, you don't have to worry about you know a big body getting in the way. Yes. Because I mean, that's kind of the heart of Deluxe Fab is you know this performance first philosophy. Obviously, we want to grow the hobby. We love the hobby. We love our customers, but we want to make the most capable rigs, the most capable parts. So the customer can make the most capable rig possible. Okay. So if there's a part, you know, this part, this part works good, but we can make it better. That's what we're going to do. You know, the full on comp rigs as you know, says I'm going to say the pro class or sportsman class. Um, just so we know this, the pro class is an MOA. So it's for motor on axle. Right. So you got, you know, one motor on each axle. You got two speed controls so you can independently control the front and rear axle. So that's an MOA, a pro class truck. A sportsman class is more of a, more like the shaft, it's a shaft driven truck. One motor, one servo, you know, but okay. it's taken it, take to the extreme. Capability of those trucks is just draw drop. Basically, if you, if you could put one tire on top of it, you know, get a, get a hold of it, it's like a rock climber. If that rock climber climbing that big rock, rock face, if he can grab one ledge, he's going up. Right. Those, those, uh, those competition trucks like that. Yeah, if you can grab one ledge, you're going up. Wow. The scale trucks are fun too. So I'm not trying to poo-poo on either one. No. They both have their place. They're both a gang of fun. Mind you, I think if you can understand, you know, if you look at the sort of pro classes like the pure science of it all, you're building something like that. That is a technically designed rig, you know, and whereas the scale trucks, you're trying to emulate something in real life. It's 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 not gonna perform the same as the buggy, but you're trying to you're trying to get something different out of it, and I, but I, you know I can see both sides. I like I do like the scale aspect of it because you have that sense of realism, and it's something everyone can relate to. But then on, on on a straight performance side, you know the pro rig is like, well, what if you know what would it what would it take to make something that would like be the ultimate crawling machine, which is that which is exactly what you're doing. Absolutely, so it gives you incredible bandwidth when you know you understand both camps. You know, in that respect. Yes, sir. So I mean, that's a perfect, perfect way to say it. If you can understand how the pro rigs, the performance first, the truck that is what it is based on what it needs to be to perform a task versus something. So another analogy would be like a skinning knife for skinning a deer, right? Versus trying to skin it with a Swiss Army knife, or trying to cut your vegetables up for dinner with a Swiss Army knife, a little pocket knife, or using a sharp chef's knife. Right. Yeah. It's the right tool for the job. Yeah. It's not pretending to be anything it's not. Right. It doesn't have to, you know, fit this or fit that. It's exactly what it is. It's, it's kind of pure where the Sorka rigs are kind of pretending to be something they're not, which I see the fun in that. Deep down inside all of us, you know, men, women, whatever, we're all still little kids. Yeah. You, you see something, you're like, you're like, like a matchbox car. You're like, ooh. You drive it across the table. Even when you're old, you'll pick it up at least once or twice. You push the thing across the table. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that tiny child is inside every one of us. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, whether people like it or not, that's kind of what we're doing with these RC trucks. Yeah. And it might be a replacement. Let's say maybe you live in a, in, in a large city. You don't have the space or the budget to build a full-size rock crawler, even though you would love to. You'd love to go buy, you know a wrangler or jk or jl or whatever and just build it all the way up make some you know massive overland rig but you don't either don't have the money you don't have the time 
you got four kids, you got a wife, you know, all these things come in the way, but the RC world can kind of fulfill that niche in your brain and in your heart. Right. You kind of get out in the woods and explore and you don't have to have, you know, 20, 30 grand in it. No, you can be in a way cheaper and yeah. still have a lot of fun, meet all kinds of cool people and enjoy your life. Yeah. I, I think that, I think the aspect for me is I, I think that I understand the, I understand the scale side, the saw curve, like class one. I don't, I've never driven or understand how the pro class rigs work, but I understand the concept of, of being that. But I think, you know, that the whole sort of class two saw curve is you're sort of, you're allowed to deviate. You don't have such constraints as you have in class one with the scale part, but you can't do as many things as you can in the pro class. You're in this kind of in-between world where it's not truly scale, but it's not truly efficient. It's that constant compromise, you know, and I mean, it, I mean, is there a tipping point? Are you constrained by a stock chassis? Does that give a limitation to how far you can take it? Absolutely. It does. Yeah. You can make a stock chassis truck perform pretty well. Let's say, you know, you work on the weight, you work on your, get your, get your weight, right. Get your power, right. And then you're still running the clearance problems with the stock chassis. You can only put the shocks so many places. Now you can move right. like on an SCX 10 too. You can move the shock hoops around a little bit. You can get the shocks to lay down a little more just by taking them apart, moving, shuffling stuff around. Right. Same with the Traxxas trucks. You can take the parts and shuffle them around and make it better for what it is. But at the end of the day, let's say you take that, that truck and you drive it, it's good. You buy a, a properly engineered aftermarket chassis that has proper suspension geometry designed into that. The truck's going to perform better. You know, you're going to have more clearance. You know, you have a lighter weight, go from a big heavy steel chassis to a lightweight carbon chassis you can put the center of gravity exactly where you want it you can put the motor exactly where the transmission exactly where you want it right you're not confined by you know the penny pinchers you know the accountants at axial or traxxas telling you what you can and can't do if you want to take out that big transmission put in a lightweight transmission you know like a hamburger or a cheeseburger which we sell you can do that you take a transmission out put a lightweight one in there right you know, you can take all this extra stuff off the truck and make it lighter, make it better. That being said, the old adage that hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard. The guy drives that stock truck a lot, yeah. chances are he's going to outdrive the guy who throws money at it. The guy who throws money at it, lots of money. If he doesn't drive, it doesn't matter. Right. He's going to get embarrassed. Those guys usually quit. Yeah. Think they can buy it instead of just driving it for what it is and enjoying themselves. No, I mean, I, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, if, if you practice and like everything, if you spend time, if you spend the hours driving your truck, you're going to understand how it moves, your tipping points, you know, your stalling points, your grip, how much, you know, how much camber you can run. Whereas if you don't drive, those things are, you know, you're going to come unstuck right off the bat without even doing anything, aren't you? you know, it's or you just can't, can't pull those same lines your buddies are pulling. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Nobody wants that. So you take your, like yeah. you said, you take your truck, as far as you take it on a stock chassis, an aftermarket chassis, you buy a good one, it will improve the truck. Okay. Is, it, is there a marked difference in your opinion? I mean, big big time difference between when you make that jump from a stock chassis to a aftermarket chassis? Yes, sir. Ge geometry on suspension is super important, okay. you know, so you won't need as much, you know, weight band-aids to make the truck do what you want it to do. Like I said, you gain more clearance, you gain more flexibility to do what you want to do with it. Oh, a, lot right. of these a lot of these rails are they're flat rails, right? So yeah. people call them belly draggers or there's a million terms for it. But at the end of the day, it's geometry and real estate. Where you can put links, where you can put shocks and weight. Okay. So if you know that your geometry is good, so you could, you're putting the weight in the right places, you've got 
good geometry. So that means you move away from the weight factor and you, you start to, so those rigs become more lightweight rigs. Yes, sir. Definition because your geometry is good to start with. So you're not compensating as you would do with flat rail chassis kind of thing, like a stock chassis. Yes. Huh. So if you build all that on your stock chassis truck and it's working pretty good. Yeah. You should see a marked improvement when you buy a quality aftermarket chassis. Gotcha. Yeah. You're taking steel off and going to carbon fiber or G10 or whatever flavor you pick. Yeah. Because there's a lot of them out there. Seems to be more coming, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> people see the market. Um, yeah. The scalar market's exploded. Yeah. And people want to fill the niche. People want to make a dollar. Nothing wrong with that. No, 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 not at all. The only thing is, I think it's, I suppose it's a little bit buyer beware. You know, with those, you're starting to move into custom parts and you need a certain base technical knowledge to start with. You need to know what you're doing and how to put things together. Whereas if like an RTR, I can get the manual, I can look up the part, I can replace the part or find or find a aftermarket part that matches. Um, but I think once you move up to, to the level you're talking about, they don't go together like kits. You need to know what you're doing when you put them together. I think they're a little more, there's a little, a little more involved. Right back to doing your research. Right. You know, reach out to the company you're thinking that like you're thinking about buying, you know, a brazen chassis, reach out to them, talk to them. They'll tell you what you need to buy to use it. Go check out right. their Facebook page, you know, see what guys are using to build it. You know, you're reaching out to another company up North, 149RC. Those guys are great. Adam and Eric, A1 guys, you need something? Reach out to them, talk to them. They're happy to explain it to you. They'll okay. tell you what you need to get and how to put it together. Okay. I got you. So there's a lot of companies out there that are doing good stuff. Now, with there being so many companies, that necessarily does muddy the water. So buyer beware, like you said, but, you know, reach out to the company or you got, reach out to your local guys, you know, see what they're using. If it works well for them, chances are it'll probably work well for you or yeah. just, just research it's the internet. Yeah. You can get anything. No, that's a good point. I mean, if you, you know, if you go in custom talking to the people that produce it I and mean, they might have more experience with like what fits and what doesn't fit than, than, uh, than you will. Right. right. See, it seems it seems an obvious once once you said it it seems so obvious but it may not <laughs> well <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah it does but the advent now with everyone being able to 3d print all these parts the really the sky's the limit with the people with three 3d printers that are reasonably affordable people with router tables that are reasonably affordable people get on youtube or go take a course or whatever and they learn to draw in CAD. And next thing you know, you can make anything your heart can dream up. Yeah. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, you can make it for you and your buddies, or you can try to scale into a, a company, you know, that's, you know, can support a family. Yeah. But, you know, we are, the rock crawling is a small niche of RC. RC is a pretty big, you know, relatively or relative to industries, I guess it's kind of small. Yeah. But there's a big RC world out there and we're in a niche, you know, especially us at Deluxe Fab, you know, we're a niche market kind of a cottage industry but you know there's there's things we make that no one else makes right. and same can be said for you know any of these companies you know Traxxas have something you know we don't have brazen will have something we don't have g speed will something have something that no one else has but all these companies make cool stuff yeah do your research see what you know sparks your fancy and you like it get it try it if you don't like it you buy a quality part if you don't like it you can sell it you can recoup some of that money yeah. You buy the cheapest part you can buy off of Amazon or eBay. If you don't like it, it's probably going to go in the trash or in a box. And you're going to find it 10 years later. Yeah. Like, oh, I remember this. Then you're going to throw it away then. You buy a quality part the first time. Oh, this didn't fit what I needed. Okay, I can sell this because it's a quality part. 
and then I can put that money towards ultimately what I need for my project. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a relevant point. That's true. You know, because I mean, even if you do, I mean, even aftermarket parts for the stock vehicles, you know, if you try one and you don't like it, it, you know, it's very easy to sell them, to resell them because if people are interested, I've had, I've had experience with that. You know, I've, I've tried something. I didn't like it. You can pass it on to someone else and perhaps they get a better use out of it. You know, it's easier to sell a vanquish part or a deluxe part or just, just that name. If it has that name associated with it, right. You can move it. Right. Exactly. And you recoup some of your investment. Yeah. You know, if it's band good, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. You're right. You're right. It's, 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 it's the branding part of it. So you mentioned that the competition vehicles, it's, it's important to um, be able to move the suspension around. So that's something that's harder to do with like a stock vehicle. So what else could we do to change that aspect? Well, the harder your suspension is your shocks um, and your springs, you know, the spring rates, the dampening, all that. And you need a quality part to make that work. Some of the companies that make good shocks, you know, Traxxas. Some of the companies make some shocks that are kind of questionable. Axial. Love them. I love Axial to death. I have a bunch of Axial rigs. The shocks are not up to steam. They just aren't. Yeah. Uh, we sell our own shocks. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are familiar with the drive techs. You know, right. in my opinion, best shocks on the market. Got a bunch of colors. They use small, skinny springs. They're lightweight. You know, we have long, medium, short. A lot of options there as far as tuning. And once you get the shock tuning on your rig right, it'll be a whole different rig. About a couple of years ago, I went from a set of SCX-10 two shocks. I used to run those on my on my comp rig because they were, one, they were cheap. You know, I'm not unlimited budget guy. I'm working on a budget. I got a family to take care of. And two, they were light. They're skinny. They're light. They're easy to package. Right. And then I came across a set. Of, I get, bought a set of draft techs off my buddy because he, we have it. We have a thing on our site where if you buy 10 sets, you get a discount. Of course he bought 10 sets so i bought a set off of him put it on my truck my truck went from feeling kind of slow and lumbery just the feel of it it's not something you put a finger on if you drove it you would understand kind of slow and lumbery almost like you're wearing a pair of heavy boots that are too big for you that's kind of the way the truck felt when you drove it to the right shocks and springs like putting on your favorite sneakers and that's how much of a difference it was yeah i mean it's so super critical i mean it's the harder suspension it's how the truck's going to feel. It's how the truck's going to react. You know, don't skimp on it. You want the right stuff. Yeah. So when it comes to tuning the suspension, I mean, how do you go about that? And how do you work out what you need? How hard is it to do all that? Well, a lot of it's trial and error. That's how I started out. Depends on, you know, drive the truck. You know, is it too stiff? Does it not flex? Flex is a subject. We should cover that right now. Too much flex is a bad thing. Back in the 90s in the four-wheel drive magazines, you see all these trucks on the RTI ramps. And, you know, they flex out and the big guy standing underneath the tire with the other three are on the ground still. Too much of that's bad. A lot of these guys think that, you know, more flex, more flex, more flex is better. It becomes a point of diminishing returns. You got too much flex. Your truck can drive into stuff it can't drive out of because all four tires will be climbing at the same time. Whereas if you have the right amount of flex, you can drive over a hole between the rocks. And your, your tire will float over it. It won't fall in. So, you know, a good rule of thumb with flex about a tire. Let's say you're running a, a class two truck. I think it's a 4.75, you know, four and three quarter inch tire max. About a tire height is a good rule of thumb. Any more than that, it's really excessive. A little, little, you can get away with less, just a matter of how you like it. And, you know, getting to the spring rates, the springs need to be able to hold the truck, hold the weight of your truck up, but like just, okay. they don't need to be brick stiff, but if they're too soft, then it's almost like they're not there. Because the shock bottoms out or the axle hits the chassis, the spring rate goes infinite. There's no more spring rate there. It's like you didn't have one. So then it gets all bouncy and wonky and it goes wherever, wherever it wants to go versus where you're telling it to go. Okay. We have different uh, stiffness of sh uh, stiffnesses of springs. Okay. So you kind of tune it to how you like it. Typically, you're going to want to go a little softer on the front than the rear. 
because we're dealing with shaft-driven trucks here. Mm-hmm. And torque twist is an issue. With under and overdrive gears, and nowadays you can tune 90% of that out of your truck. And a lot of times, the only time you're going to see it is when the truck is standing almost straight up. Then you're going to see it. So it's just a lot of times it's about playing with it to get it to where you want it. And then take it out and drive it. Yeah. Compare it to your friend's rigs. Compare it to people that's that are better, you know, not to compare with people that are driving better than you. Go other places you're not going. And find out what they're doing different. A lot of it, I'd go to guess the suspension. You know, another thing to you know keep in mind is the the more you lay a shock down, the less effective it is when it comes to damping and when it comes to spring rate. So if we take a shock that's 90 degrees straight up and down, and you have all of the spring rate because it's straight up and down, it's vertical, right? You have all of the dampening. If you lay it down, you're increasing the leverage that the the axle, the link, all that has, you're increasing the leverage on that because you're moving the top of it further in, but effectively increasing the leverage, so making it softer. So a good thing guys can do on the trail is, you know, if your shocks are pretty much straight up and down, you think it's a little too stiff, you pop the body off, lay the shock down a little bit, see if it likes it better. That'll also shorten, the more you lay it down, it shortens the travel at the wheel. Something to keep in mind as well. Right. So, you know, typically you're going to want to be a little stiffer in the rear than the front and, you know, just enough spring to hold the truck up. Yeah. That's and really the, to would, oversimplify it. And, and how would you differentiate, say, like building a truck for, say, like trail running as, to, as opposed to crawling? What, what, you wouldn't use the same suspension setup for both, right? Me, I would. <laughs> I would sit up for crawling and take okay. it off the trail running. Okay. Or, what, I mean, really, his, it's, it's go fast. Really, it's go fast versus crawling. Okay. If you're going fast, if you're jumping stuff, you know, all this, if you're jumping stuff and, you know, just generally hooning around, it's a different setup you're going to need than, say, you know, a rock crawler that's creeping and crawling up this steep ledge. Almost like, you know, the suspension you see on a trophy truck that's, you know, driving across that drive at King of the Hammers in Johnson Valley at 120 miles an hour through the desert is different than you're going to see on a Wee Rock rig. Totally different setups. Now, okay. could the uh, can those trophy trucks drive through rocks? If you ever watch King of the Hammers, you've seen them. <laughs> they hammer the crap out of those things. It's amazing. But once again, we're back to that compromise. You can't have, you, you can never have everything. You can right. have one or the other. So you try to pick, you know, what do I want to focus more on? Do I want it to crawl better? Or do I want it to jump through the whoops better? So that's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. So so, so the crawlers so i mean presumably you want a sort of fairly fast action responsive shock for speed yes and then you're looking at a slightly slower more um what's the right word controlled Um, yeah so you don't you don't want your vehicle bouncing so much you just want it to to just move slowly like you know sort of flex slowly is that what you're kind of looking for you think is that the right way to say it you want it to be slow controlled and deliberate okay you know and not be bouncing around all over the place, you know? Yeah. So I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah. You need a softer setup because you're not going to jump the truck. Well, you might if you're a knucklehead. It's fun anyway. <laughs> I mean, if it's a trail truck and you just drive on trails and having fun, get away with a lot. You don't right. have a great setup. But now if you set some gates down and you want to do better than the other guy, you're going to start digging into the technology and finding out how it all works and how to set it up. Yeah. If the springs on your car, you drive every day. They're literally just enough to hold that car up. If you go out there and lean on it, it goes down. You know what I mean? Or you sit on the trunk, the trunk lid. Right. Scratch the paint. Anyways, you can, you can bounce that car just by walking up to it, pushing it up and down. And it should be fairly easy for you to push your crawler up and down as well. You should push okay. it down and it should come back up. You don't want it to just bounce over and over and over. That's where the oil comes into the shock. You need the dampening. Okay. 
but it needs to be just enough to hold it up because then trying to figure out a way to explain it. Hmm. Basically, you need just enough spring rate to hold the rig up and control your suspension. Any more than that's wasted. Okay. You don't need it. So, so the spring rate um, controls the weight of it. So you're using, so your spring rate is determined by the weight of your vehicle. Pretty it's much. Ter- determined by the sprung weight of the vehicle. The sprung weight. And then the dampening is, is you're controlling that, like the bounce rate. Correct. That, if you say drop a wheel in a hole, you don't want the car to be like rocking around. You just want it to like flex, you know, to just move a little bit to accommodate the drop and then yes. not to overcompensate. Correct. Yeah. And then if you're trying to climb something, you want to be able to spin your tires on the climb and not have the whole truck jumping up and down. That's yeah. Everyone's seen the videos of a, a, you know, a truck or seen it in their own RC truck climbing something that's steep with high traction. The truck will get the bout jumping and bucking. So one that's in the tires, some of that's in the suspension. Suspension's too soft, it doesn't have enough dampening, it'll do that. Suspension's too stiff, nothing will move. So it's, there's there's a nice even middle ground to find for all of that. Right. And that's kind of part of the fun of tuning. Gotcha. Take it out, drive it, try something different. Right. Drive it again. But change one thing at a time. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's very good advice. Yes. If you change a bunch of stuff, you won't know what made it better or what made it worse. Right. You'll end up chasing your tail. Yeah. And actually, in fact, I think the the bouncing on a steep climb, I mean, that will, you know, I don't claim to be any expert, but, I, you know, I obviously like most people tinker with the shocks and stuff. But if you have that too soft, it will bounce you off that ledge because the moment you start to, if you, you know, if you can't get traction and you're gripping, like you say, or, or you know, the, the ledge is just a little bit up from the tires, that bounce sometimes, you, you, st- you start to bounce the vehicle, it actually ends up pulling it away from the wall, if you like, and over you go. Whereas if you, if you, you know, firm up that suspension at the back, it's less likely to build that bounce into it. It starts to kind of bite, you know, it allows the, the front, as the front bites in, it's actually pulling the front down and trying to climb. It's not, it's not bouncing you off. It allows you to work the truck, work the climb, slide yeah. back and forth and look for that traction. A lot of times on a face you're climbing on or playing on, there's only there's like one spot over here. It's got a couple little ridges or whatever. There's enough traction to make it up. And if your truck's too bouncy, you can't work the truck over there because, you know, stuff's too soft, stuff's too stiff. Yeah. You know, and the oil in the shock, well, obviously that's for dampening. It'll keep you from doing so much of that bouncing and control it, you know, otherwise it would just bounce continually and it fall off yeah another thing to cover with suspension also is we just we just launched a new product it is link it's a link riser for your sx10 two axle we make one for trx4 the more link separation you can get at the rear of these trucks between the the lower link mount and the upper link mount so what'll happen is you stand that you try to climb steeper and steeper with more link separation it'll actually push the front of the truck down into the rock versus pulling it back and lifting the front of the truck up i got you yeah so, I mean, that's something also to consider. The geometry has a huge amount to do with how much the truck will grip at an angle when it's trying to climb, you know, versus just, you know, adding weight until it climbs. And so what, do they go on the on the lower links or the upper links? They go on the upper links. Yeah. So if you, yeah, so you pull your upper links off your axle, you mount right. the part, you, you mount the riser in there, put your big long screw back through it, and then you remount your links to the top of it. Okay. And that changes your suspension geometry on the back of the truck and moves the instant center. Okay. Further forward and down. Right. Without getting the suspension geometry, you know, lesson, it'll make a climb better and they're super yeah. cheap. Or you can make something to yourself to do the same thing. Just depends yeah. on how creative you are. You know, get that m- match between the springs and the oil is, is a, I could see how that's going to be more just a process. 
what it is. I mean, typically you could reach out to, you know, reach out to us, customer service, you know, we'll take care of it. We'll point you in the right direction. We'll give you a good place to start. Yeah. You know, for most of these scale rigs, good place to start. If you go medium, start there. The springs are cheap. Start medium and then go, go lower, you know, stiffer or softer from there, depending on your rig. Yeah. I mean, talking about bouncing up and down, you know, that's a good, like perfect segue to run us into tires and foams. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, with foams, if the foams a lot like the springs, typically you want something stiffer in the rear than the front. You talk about that balancing and that bucking. If your tires are so soft, especially in the rear, like a drag car where they're wrapping as it kind of bounces, it's too soft because the tire will do the same thing the spring's doing. And then that'll compound through your suspension into your whole rig. So you run typically a little bit stiffer in the rear than the front. That'll help you out some too. You know, two-stage foams, those are great. Um, Crawler Innovation makes nice stuff. Um, Proline makes some, some two-stage foams that are nice. Yeah. And a lot of guys are scared to vent their tires or the wheels because they're driving through a creek or whatever, or they don't want to punch a hole in the tire. Vent the tire, vent the wheel. Whichever way you want to do it, vent it. Let that tire kind of, let the foams do the job. Or it's going to bounce and hook and throw you off the rock. And yeah. as far as, you know, what tires to use, lots of guys. Um, ask your local guys. You know, one tire, a Swamper might be better here, whereas a... Uh, like the Hyrax uh, or... Yeah. So a Swamper might be better where I'm at. We have a lot of muddy rocks and stuff. Whereas maybe where you're at, more more clean rock. You know, Hyrax will probably outperform a, a Swamper in that situation. Or, you know, whatever tire flavor you want. Proline makes a bunch, a bunch of good tires. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of them out there. You know, but check with your local guys. See what the, what's working good for them. That's your best resource for that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because there's no good trying to copy someone that, say, climbs out in Utah because the terrain that we face is completely different to them. So, I mean, it, you know, what might be the perfect best-selling tire there is not doesn't necessarily correlate to the best-selling thing for Northeast PA, you know. No. Yeah, or out here in the woods in Indiana. Right, right. Yeah, you know, exactly. my personal favorite tire for a scale truck, Swamper, hands down. Some guys can't stand it. They won't run them. Yeah. Now, the softer rubber, not always better. You know, a lot of us get stuck in that softer, better, softer, better. It's not always the way it works. Yeah. So don't get stuck in the softer compounds because they, they can get too soft. And then they don't actually grab anything. Like the little lugs on the tires, the little fingers, they just lay over. It's like a rock, like like a rock climber with weak fingers. Yeah, because they're too soft. The, you know, the fingers are too soft. They won't. They can't hold on to any ledges or any little imperfections in the rock to pull you up. So, don't get stuck on the too soft. All right. the softer is better. Bandwagon. No, that's a good analogy because if you, if they're too soft, they'll just flex and then go over, you know, past a rock and allow the next one to bend and flex. Whereas if it's a little more rigid, it actually bites and gives you the traction, doesn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I have seen that. Uh, yeah and it's, it's i mean like all these things i think you know you said it more than once like you know research and, and questioning before you go it's, it's huge i mean we we are very fortunate and we have a huge variety of things to choose from but making sure we've got the right product for the right application is is the name of the game really isn't it you know i mean again it's like that thing you just got to take time get your phone out get on the computer and start asking the right questions you know go out and drive <laughs> yeah take your truck out and drive it i mean if we can hammer one thing home go drive your trucks don't let them sit on the shelf and look pretty which is nice oh that's cool go drive it go hammer on it go beat on it go break it fix it and do it again i mean that's that's the whole point yeah you know 
obviously, you know, I'm here representing a company. We're, we're trying to make a dollar. But at the end of the day, it's the hobby. It's the love for the hobby, you know. And it's not just the trucks. It's the people. A lot of times you go to these comps, you go to these events, you're on Facebook. The trucks are cool. I'm going to steal a, a quote from another podcaster. The trucks are cool, but the people are cooler. <laughs> so that's not mine. That's yeah. from Ronnie at C10 Talk. But I have to give him props. It's the people, you know. However you get together with people that are like-minded, go out and do it. So much fun. Get out of the house. Get off the computer. Go out in the woods, live your life. Yeah. No, it's true. Relationships are everything. You never know who you go out there and meet up at the park, you know, down in the creek bed and go driving with. You know, that guy, he might be a guy that he needs help right now. He needs somebody to talk to, you know, or he might be the guy who's on top of the world, living the dream and has the best life ever. You never know. But we all share the same common thread is the love for the hobby and, you know, liking the trucks and tinkering and trying to make stuff better. It doesn't get much better than that. No. Nah. No, that's 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 uh, that's a good point. I mean, if you, I mean, if you're not enjoying it, then you know you need to find another hobby. <laughs> There's plenty of them out there. <laughs> yes, there are. As many people yeah. found out with COVID this last year, how many people picked up new hobbies just to lay them down as soon as they went back to work? Yeah, yeah. And if you know, if you found the rate, if people found the uh, RC hobby because of COVID, welcome. Hang around. It's a fun time. Yeah. No, it is. No, especially if you like to tinker. I mean, it's uh, it's de- it's definitely a hobby that you you get involved with. It you know, it's it's very different. You've got plenty of choices, and you can personalize everything, and and even learn something along the way. <laughs> yeah, I think there's an inherent drive in all of us to make things better. Yeah, yeah. You know, whether it's reorganizing your silverware drawer, or it's you know fixing up your deck, you know, or a truck, or whatever it is, you know, want to improve it. Right. If we're not improving it, we're stagnant. Yeah. If we're not moving forward, we're literally moving backwards because other no. people are going to move forwards. But I think it's one of those, I think, and that, I suppose that's why I, I do gravitate to the crawling aspect of it. I do like that. And I mean, it's just that constant quest of you're always wondering if you cut, you know, change your tire, does that make a difference? Change the shocks, does it make a difference? And it's very, you know, it is very rewarding when you get a positive result. You know, um, you know, you feel like you've actually understood something and you've accomplished something. You know, it's not quite so much fun when it it does it goes the other way. But I mean, that's that's how you you know. Sometimes you learn more from the mistakes than the successes. But you know, <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. We learn more from failures than we yeah. do from successes. Yeah, hopefully, we, you know, hopefully we remember the mistakes and we don't make too many of them. You know, but <laughs> yeah, you know, learn learn from history or doomed to repeat it. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, quite poignant in our world our world right now. Yes, it is. Yeah. Kind of look around and go, hmm. We do seem prone to repeat history, but which is unfortunate. So. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think as as, as always, uh, Matt. I mean, it's a. I think you've shown some uh, great insight onto onto to making some informed decisions. I, I think is the is the takeaway. I, I think what I get from, from what you're saying, um, you know, think about what you're doing, why you're doing it. And you know, question how to go about it rather than just like punting in the dark, which is uh, you know, there is no excuse for it these days. We've got every good every resource that we have that we can check things out. So I think I think a lot of your comments are, are, are very sage advice. I think I would have to say. <laughs> I think uh, the old saying that ignorance is no excuse. Yeah. Now more than ever. Yeah. There's there's so much knowledge out there, and not just from the veteran guys, but from guys that are got into it yesterday. They learned three things yesterday. Let's say they learned three things yesterday. And of those three things, 
two of those might be something that me as a veteran, veteran or RC guy, I'm clear about that. No stolen valor here. As a veteran RC guy, doesn't know. That new guy might teach me something tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah. we got to have an open mind. If we're not willing to be proven wrong or we're so stuck on an idea that we can't have an open mind, that's just terrible. We'll never learn anything. No, no, you're absolutely right about that. It comes from every corner, you know, sometimes. You just have to be open to receive it. Just like looking around in the house for something. Like, honey, where is this? It's right in front of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you were looking right at it the whole time. That never happens to me ever, Matt. <laughs> no, never. Nope, never. <laughs> <laughs> no nope never Mm-mm. no 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 that, I, I think it's been great i i really appreciate your time and uh you taking time to talk to me and i i think you've offered some really solid advice and uh some great insights into into uh how to move forward so uh i'm looking forward to putting some of those things into practice well hopefully we didn't get, go too far down the rabbit hole and lose everybody no, no, I don't. I don't think so. I, I, uh, I think no. I think I think you kept a good balance. I think you've made a, a good balance of everything. So, so oh, well, I'm man. Well, I appreciate you having me. Um, okay. Obviously, you know, guys, go to luxfab.com. We sell all kinds of cool stuff. You know, we sell stuff from other vendors as well. Um, we stock uh, Holmes Hobby stuff. We sell super shafty stuff. You know, we make the Drab Tech shocks, which best shocks on the market, hands down, in my opinion. Maybe a little biased, maybe. <laughs> um if you want high-end crawler parts if you want to go right for the best parts you can find come check our site out we try to offer the absolute pinnacle that it can be and if it's not the pinnacle we're going to change it and make it the pinnacle so we're going over and re- reworking a bunch of our product line to make it better make it stronger make it easier it's going to take some time but we're going to get through all of it and make all of it 100 better wow the products you've got on the market are pretty exciting right now i mean some of the stuff out there so that's interesting you know, the owner, Jason, has got an amazing mind for these parts, for these trucks. The owner, Jason, is just as passionate about the RC stuff as he is about one-to-one. So he also runs Iron Rock Off-Road. So if you've heard of those guys, they make one-to-one parts, and they're all made in America, designed, engineered, right out here in America. He brings that same passion, that same drive to the Deluxe Fab side. So, you know, to take what Eric built in the beginning and build on top of it it's an epic opportunity and i'm glad to be a part of it right what is the website for deluxe fab it's www.deluxefab.com okay find us on facebook you know just d-l-u-x fab we got you know several pages come find us you need something give us a holler your questions about parts you know email us contact us at deluxefab.com same spelling reach out we'll take care of you answer all your questions you know, you want to chat, you want to know about parts, you want to know what not to buy, because just like everyone else, I bought all the wrong parts before. Yeah, yeah. These things happen. It does happen. And so. there's, I, I got a whole pile of them in the other room. <laughs> it's a way of life. But but I think, you know, I think a lot of the advice you gave tonight, I think hopefully will actually save some people some of that pain. Think well, that's the hope, that's the dream, right? You do. I, absolutely. Absolutely, man. You know, so. All righty. Well, again. <laughs> Think you got something you can edit there? I think we have, my man. I think we have. All right, good deal. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Matt has certainly given me enough food for thought on my crawler project. I will document as much of my crawler build as I can, so I will welcome you to follow this project as I continue to build my own comp crawler. Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to reach out to me with your thoughts and comments. You can find us at RC Truck Talk on Facebook. 
Instagram and Gmail and I will do my best to reply to all comments. If you enjoyed this episode, then please recommend us to a friend and if possible, leave a review. Credits, music by Crowanda, audio production by Lee Street Productions. Again, thank you all for listening and I hope you make some time to get a little dirt on those tires.